Hey, welcome to the Sermonary Podcast. I'm Josh Taylor, your host, and today my guest is Joel Malm. And Joel is an entrepreneur, he's a communicator, he's a leadership coach. He also runs a ministry, a very cool ministry called Summit Leaders that uses outdoor adventures, literally it seems like from around the world, uh, and coaching to help people find their calling and pursue a vision for their lives. He's also the author of several books, including the one that I want to talk about today called Love Slows Down, How to Keep Anger and Anxiety from Ruining Life's Relationships. So, Joel, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me, Josh. Absolutely. So glad you're here, and thank you so much for your time. Uh, we, uh, we are doing several interviews with authors of books right now that seem to be very timely books. And I think that this, a lot of it is probably just the grace of God giving us these resources to help us navigate what nobody expected. Even when you guys were writing these books, uh, we're not expecting, uh, to deal with what we're dealing with in 2020. So, um, so you've got this book called Love Slows Down. And the subtitle of it is how to keep anger and anxiety from ruining life's relationships. You work with a lot of pastors, you work with a lot of leaders. What inspired you to write this book? Yeah, you, so the book has kind of a self-help feel to it. <laughs> and, I, and so people are like, oh, is this a self-help book? I'm like, actually, it's a pretty deep book when it comes down to it because it talks about some really core motiva- motivations that we all have within us and these things that God placed in us that we need. And what I found is you know, I have a master's degree in counseling and I, I'm also a teaching pastor. And so I, I travel around the country speaking about the books and I noticed that there were two words over the last two years that whenever I would say these words, if people were kind of zoned out or on Facebook, if I said these words, all of a sudden they were locked in with me. The two words were anger and anxiety. If I'd be like, hey, anybody out there kind of been feeling angry, not sure why, is like they locked in. And I saw this across the country. I actually saw it around the world. I was speaking in different countries. And I would say, you know, the word, the, the, when I'd see the talk about that, I would see the, literally everyone turn. I'm like, wow, this is a serious problem. And what I realized is these core motivations that we have, I talk about three of them specifically in, in the book that we need security, we need connection with others, and we need a sense of empowerment or control. These core, core, core motivations, they kind of present themselves in two very specific emotions that trigger us and which we get very that's what we realize is a problem. And the two emotions tend to be anxiety and anger. And I believe there's a biblical sequence that's pretty clear why those lead to each other. Anger and anxiety are always connected, but they all come from this core thing that we are made to get all of, all of these needs of security connection and empowerment from God himself and his love, mm-hmm. which we had in the garden. But then of course, sin separated us from that. And the first emotion you saw Adam and Eve feel was fear. Genesis 3, fear shows up. Genesis 4, anger just happens to show up in the lives of Cain and Abel. So that's what the book's about. There's a lot of pretty pretty solid biblical um, backing to the book. It is a psychological kind of driven book, but there's a lot of theology to it. So that's what got me started on it. And I started writing about it and I started seeing, wow, people are resonating with this. And the craziest thing is I heard a lot of pastors saying, man, I am angry. I'm angry at my my staff, I'm angry at my congregation, I'm feeling anxious all the time. And, and then it just got compounded in 2020. <laughs> that's, so. that's good. So pre 2020, when you were working with a lot of pastors and leaders, uh, specifically pastors, what were you seeing a lot of pastors uh, finding that anxiety or that anger about? Yeah, here's one I heard a lot. I would talk about anger and anxiety. And I'd have I remember one pastor specifically came up to me. Um, and he came up afterwards, and he said, you know, as you were talking, I really felt 
And maybe it was the Holy Spirit showing me, but he said, I realized I've been angry at my congregation and my staff for years. I was like, really? He said, yeah, I, I really don't like them. I was like, well, that's not cool. So I said, well, what's going on? And we started unpacking it. And it started to become clear that his congregation really wanted him to lead them. But he's like, no, 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 they don't want me to lead them. The last guy that led them, they fired him. And I'm not going to let them do that to me. So he's just been hanging out, kind of staying as, as, an, as, you know, doing what he can to keep things going, but not get fired. And, and I said, well, okay, so how long have you been at this church? He said, 12 years. I was like, wow, oh, dude, you've put in the time. You don't, you've got the, 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 the time you needed to build the trust to make some changes. And I think they're frustrated with you. You're frustrated with them. And that's what I've seen with anger and leaders specifically. When you've been given a responsibility, uh, specifically like a church, if God has called you to lead a church and you don't lead, when you fail to take that responsibility, it ends up leading to anger and anxiety in the people under you. And then you just get angry and anxious at them. And a lot of times it's because we've been afraid to lead. And so what was the deal with him? It was a threat, potentially a threat to his security if they were to fire him. So he hadn't taken the lead because there was a threat to security. Threat to the security, anger is always a secondary emotion. It comes from feeling a threat to that security connection or control. And he felt the threat, so he wasn't leading. And that's what it, that was, that was what I saw a lot because I see a lot of pastors, unfortunately, where it's like the pastor is just, and you know how this goes. It's like, well, if the pastor didn't do what we tell, we'll move him along. And you know, if the pastor moves the organ one inch past where we want, or if the pastor tries to bring drums in here or whatever it is, now we've got the mask wars. If the pastor tries to make us wear a mask, we're voting him out. So there's a lot of fear associated with that. And then when you live in too much fear, fear for too long, uh, anxiety always leads to anger and anger leads to hate and hate leads to the dark side. So there you've got it. That's a little Star Wars reference. Yeah, absolutely. It never hurts to have a Star Wars reference. No, that's, that's really good. And, and, and I think that we obviously we see this and, and I know a lot of pastors that we work with deal with a lot of these different things and, and they're almost leading with their heads down. And it's obviously it's, it's near impossible to lead that way. And I think you're right when, when pastors do that, the, the, the folks that work with them and work under them begin to experience that bitterness or they begin to experience that resentment because you lose your credibility and your authority when you're not able to make the decisions that you know are the right decisions and they know are the right decisions, but you're leading out of fear. And it's obviously impossible really to lead out of fear like that and lead effectively. I think that we're moving into this, this age. Obviously you wrote this book without a pandemic in mind, without knowing the racial tensions that were coming up, without knowing that we're coming up upon our most polarizing election in, in modern American history. Uh, and so as pastors, add on these new stressors and they add on these new controversial issues. Uh, what are some of the things that you're seeing pastors? What are, what are some of the battles that you're, you're seeing them fight? And then how would you help them navigate those issues? Yeah, well, man, I feel for pastors. Um, just at our church this week, we had some folks that their church hadn't been open and uh, they started coming to our church and the, their church opened. I was like, Oh, thank goodness. Churches are starting to open again. Their church went, this week, I see them back at our church. I'm like, hey, what are you doing back here? Your church open. She's like, oh, yeah, but they're making us wear masks. I said, pastor, I love you, but I'm peace out. I ain't coming back until you lift the mask restriction. I'm like, wow, pastors have a hard, hard job right now because you can't win. 
Yeah, there's and, no decision you can make that's, that's going to make everybody happy. We, we know, we've seen that on a micro level. I see, think you're seeing it on a macro level right now. And the worst part is everybody just feels the need to vent it on social media. So you post, we're coming back. Please wear masks to respect the, the vulnerable. And somebody's like, you're cowering to fear. You liberal, blah, blah, blah. You're cowering to tyranny. And you just can't win. I, I feel for pastors. Tom Rayner put out an article recently. He said one in four pastors are you know, talking about calling it quits uh, through this. I think it was something like that or something that affected. Basically, it's a real, because you didn't get in, you didn't sign up for this. You wanted to preach the word of God and lead people and disciple. And now you're having to play this pol- politician role of like, how do you appease everyone? And if you don't appease everyone, they will vocally get on social media, call you a coward, or they'll accuse you of wanting to kill people or you're just just ridiculous things that you get accused of. And pastors, they just can't win at this point, which is why courage is all the more important because, you know, fear is contagious, but courage is also contagious. And the crazy thing about it, like the first guy through the wall is always the bloodiest, but once he gets through the wall, people are like, Oh, we can get through that wall. And what we need right now is people who are in tune with the Holy Spirit, listening to what the Holy Spirit is saying, because here's the thing. Every church is going to be unique. Every body is unique. Every expression of the body of Christ is unique. And if you have a congregation of highly vulnerable people, you probably shouldn't be opening. But I'm talking to a pastor over here who's got to call like his oldest person in his church is 27. I'm like, you could probably take a little bit more risks over here opening up your church. And and you have to get really creative, but it, the, first of all, the, the overwhelming tension that pastor, pastors feel right now, especially if you're just wanting to just serve and minister to people and preach the word is you're having to navigate this very complicated situation and you're trying to be wise, but you also don't want to cower in fear. And it's very tricky, which again, depends on the Holy Spirit. But I would say this is one of the key things is you have to make sure that your decisions are not being driven by fear. And fear looks reckless sometimes. I love something G.K. Chesterton says. He says, courage is almost a contradiction in terms. It's a strong desire to live accompanied by a willingness to die. A man who wants to basically break free in a battle must cut his way through the enemy to get home to his family. But he seems reckless until he's deemed courageous. And it's a very fine line. It's very tricky trying to figure out where that is and in and every body of looks different. Church body looks different and every leader has to make different decisions and you can't, you know, seek wisdom from other pastors around you in similar situations, but you can't be comparing yourself to what other churches are doing because that may not be the fit that God has for what your church body needs right now. Yeah. I think, I think that's so good. And, and, and that's, that's one of the things that I talk to a lot of young pastors or, or guys, I, I teach a class that is preparing guys to become pastors. And one of the things that we talk about is just this vacuum of leadership that we've seen nationally or even worldwide over the, especially since the pandemic, but even really before that. And we're waiting for that spiritual leader to stand up uh, nationally and just be that steady guide that people need uh, because we're seeing so much chaos. We're seeing so much anger uh, from both sides, political parties with all of the racial tensions that are happening in, in our, in our country. And it seems like there's not a lot of people that are, are, are quick to listen and slow to speak. There's a lot of people that are on both sides that are quick to speak and, uh, and there's, it's, it's lacking some wisdom. And I think a lot of that brings on a lot of anxiety. Uh, you know, for me as a pastor, I dealt with a lot of anxiety. Uh, it was, it was a struggle to, you know, I, I think for a lot of 
pastors the worst night of the week is Sunday night after mm-hmm. they've preached their sermon and they're just re-preaching it over and, and over oh, in yeah. their head or how the different ways they could have, could have said it. And they can get a hundred compliments, but they're going to focus on that one negative uh, comment that, that somebody had. How do you practically, if you're a pastor, whether it's dealing with the anxiety that comes with, with preaching and us internalizing that anxiety a lot of times and not really speaking to anybody about it, or these big, huge uh, current events that are happening in our world and worried that we're not going to handle it or say the right thing or, or, or say the thing that we're supposed to say or something that we're going to say is going to come backfire on us. Because, you know, we saw it even, even in Birmingham with, um, uh, with just liking a simple tweet, you know, cost a, cost a church its building, you know, yeah. and, and there's so we, there are negative consequences to any action that we take, which creates a lot of anxiety. How practically do you feel pastors and leaders can navigate these, these anxious feelings uh, that often do lead to anger? Well, I'll tell you what I've been realizing about myself is I take myself way too seriously. And I've been, the Lord has been talking to me basically about how humility is just realizing that you're just really not that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things. And you're going to make some mistakes and God's big enough that, you know, he'll, you know, you, you would like to think you hear the Holy Spirit every time and get it right every time, but you're not. We see through a glass darkly, as Paul says, you're going to, even on your best day, your revelation of the truth is going to be not quite perfect. So first of all, lighten up a little bit. God is light, lighten up. That, that probably doesn't stand theologically, but that's what I'll go with. Lighten that's up good. a little bit and realize, you know, the weight of the world doesn't hinge on your shoulders. Um, God's the one carrying the weight of the world and he's got it under control. doesn't seem like it at times, but Rick, just lighten up a little bit and recognize, you know, I'm probably not going to get it right every time. And I'm going to make some decisions that make people mad. And the response can that to be to, to them could be, yeah, I may have gotten this one wrong, but I'm just doing the best that I feel. And that's the danger of when you declare the Lord told me we're going to do this. Okay. Well, <laughs> Just get ready because if the Lord told you, like you're going to hear all sorts of heat from that and, and a lot of people aren't going to believe the Lord told you that. And that's, a, so, that's a big power move right there. Yeah. So I think one of the keys is stay humble. Just stay humble and, and admit to people, you know, everybody, everybody wants to, you know, their pastor know what's going on, right? And we feel this unexpected, like this weight of like, I have to show them I know what's going on that I'm hearing from the Lord. But hey, guys, I've never done this before. <laughs> No pastor has ever done this before. Stay humble. Admit the things you're struggling with. I don't think you necessarily need to seek a consensus because if you're trying to seek a consensus, you'll never get one. But I do think you need to admit, hey, we're working through this as best as we can. And this is a great chance for all of us as a body to practice grace because I'm probably not going to get it right. And here's the thing. I may make a decision and we pivot later because I go, oops, wrong decision. Please be flexible with me. But it re- requires expressing some vulnerability, I think, which a lot of times we pastors, there's a lot of affirmation that comes from getting up and boldly to ex- expositing the word or whatever. You know, here's the word of God. And, but realize we see through a glass darkly. So, man, stay humble. I might be wrong. Admit that to your congregation. Say, please be flexible with me as we're navigating this. I'm open to your input. And listen to your people and say, I may not necessarily do what you want, but I'm open to it because I believe God can speak wisdom through my congregate. So be open to that and, and also be creative, which is, I think, part of humility. When you're, when you're willing to be creative, you'll step out and try some 
crazy stuff that may flop and you may go, oh, that was a horrible idea. Hey, but you tried, right? And, and if people, if you build a culture of that in your church where people are like, hey, we're going to try it, let's try it. And if it doesn't work, we just, oh, okay, I guess that wasn't the Lord's will for us. Because uh, again, we see through the glass darkly. Yeah, so you, you, you kind of, I, I think, expose that imposter syndrome that I think a lot of pastors deal with and say, look, I, I, this, I think this is the right decision, but it might not be. And you're, you're, you kind of come out and be vulnerable at the beginning. And it's a lot easier to do that, I think, at the beginning than it is after the fact, you know, yes. where you're having to kind of clean up a mess. Just go ahead and preface it and say, hey, guys, we're going uh, to try this and it may not work. But if it does, great. If it doesn't, we're going to try something else. And you guys are given a lot of great input on what we should do. Um, and, and I think that does set you up for your second one of being able to be creative. Uh, yeah. that was one of the things that even when I, when I served on staff, uh, as a, as an executive pastor, we had kind of created that culture from the beginning. We had the luxury of planning the church. And so we were able to kind of create that culture at the beginning of just trying new things out. And if it flopped, there was a lot of grace there because people still trusted us and yeah. that went a long way rather than, ah, we're going to do this and then we're going to be stubborn about it if it doesn't work. And double I down, think we're seeing, that's a big word exactly. now, double down. And, and that's what we're seeing in leadership right now, whether it's politically or spiritually, we're seeing a lot of double down on leadership because people are afraid to be vulnerable. And I think what you said to just admit, Hey, we've never been here before. And so we're, we're, you know, it's such a cliche now and it's like, we're going to navigate this together. Um, but I mean, that's really what we're doing. And, and it, I think it gives the opportunity to create unity within your body as well. Yes. So that's, that's really good. Um, so what have been some of those things that you've seen churches or pastors do uh, either to, uh, to create some of that create creative moments um, you, you threw out one before we, we started the show that I hadn't even thought about. And I've been working with a lot of pastors of how to deal with, um, you know, max masks or no masks. How do you communicate that people get mad? Uh, they deal with a lot of trolls on the internet because people are being mad. So what are some of the creative ways that you have seen some of the pastors, uh, navigate some of these, these issues that we're dealing with? Uh, well, I mean, I, I think the key to all of it is, again, staying humble with it, but also recognizing that I think everybody wants to get back to normal. And gosh, if anybody wants to get back to normal, I want to get back to normal. Uh, I, I just, there's, we need some sort of a normal, but recognizing that this has been a key moment here where things have turned and we're going to have to, it's going to look very different. I hate the term, the new normal, but we'll just call it, it's going to look different than what we've seen before. And one of the, one of the real challenges that, you know, that Jesus, he talked about, you don't pour new wine into old wineskins, otherwise it'll break. And I just see that so many times in churches, we get so rigid about this is what it needs to look like. In the book, I compare it to, as a kid, I used to put toilet paper rolls over my eyes, pretending they're binoculars, but they didn't help me see anything better. Actually, they limited my field of vision. And I think a lot of times we get these toilet paper rolls over our eyes of this is what it looks like. This is what church needs to look like. This is what the kingdom of God looks like. And God's like, I am way bigger than your toilet paper rolls, man. And you need to take those off. And I know you had some expectations for your church this year, but it's going to look really different. And trust that even in the middle of this, God is working, but you've got to stay flexible with that. And the flexibility thing, man, we've known churches, they're not flexible. I talk about in the book, there was a church down the street from us, um, 
that one time it was the going Baptist church in our town. Like it was booming. They had, they were sitting on millions of dollars of real estate, but the church started to dwindle and dwindle and they'd get a pastor and the older folks didn't like that pastor. So they'd run him off and the church would dwindle and shrink a little bit more. And finally it came to the point where they had to decide, are we going to pay for our utilities or are we going to have a pastor? And they voted to get rid of the pastor so they could pay their utilities. Wow. And I'm like, guys, you have, they're sitting multiple acres. I mean, they had millions of dollars of real estate and they knew it. And I said, why don't you just sell the land, build yourself a little place out in the country, get the kind of pastor you want. You could have enough money sitting in the bank to pay his salary till y'all all die. But oh no, but my son was raised in that Sunday school class over there. And, and you, get, you get hung up on the shell of what was rather than the heart of what was. And I think that's where we're going to have to be careful right now because it could get really easy to get hung up on the shell of, but our building, we've always met in a building. Well, we're going to have to be flexible for a while. I, we definitely do need to come part, you know, don't forsake the assembling yourselves together. And I don't think he was referring to Zoom. There is something that happens in person, but we're going to have to realize that it's the shell. Don't hang on to the shell, hang on to the heart of it, which is tricky to navigate. That's going to require discernment from the Holy Spirit on what does that look like? Are we, are we hanging onto the shell over here or is this the heart of it? And that's where it gets crazy because I was talking to a guy yesterday and his church is, I mean, literally one group of people said, well, we don't want to meet for church with, a ma- with masks on and the church is requiring masks. So this one guy who leads a small group, he said, everybody come over to my house, those who don't want to wear masks, and we'll watch the live stream at my house together. Well, he started doing that and the pastor found out about it and he said, they're starting another church. And so now they're like spiritually rebuking this guy, trying to bring him back in the fold for his rebellion. And I'm like, the dude just doesn't wear and wear a mask. And a bunch of people don't. This is the and first of your multi-site campus. <laughs> that's right. I'm like, you've started a multi-site with a, a very ambitious fellow who came up with a creative idea. But in his mind, in the shell is, no, anytime people don't meet under the meeting, they were listening to his preaching too, which is a funny part. It's like, no, if they're not in the room with us, they are in rebellion against the church. Dis- and so they're trying to bring church discipline on a dude for trying to get creative. And I'm like, come on guys, let's chill out a little bit here. But it's, yeah. that's where we get hung up on when we get so stuck on the shell. It's that old wine skin. This is the way it has to be. And just like, yo, I got some living wine here that sp- expands. You better be flexible if you want to be part of this next move. We pastors, I think we, we can often be guilty of the things that we get angry with our congregation about <laughs> doing. Yeah, whether it's territorial or hanging on to these sacred cows. Um, well, look, to, to wrap up, I, I know that we have a lot of pastors that are, that are dealing with a lot of the stress that's coming along with what 2020 has brought us. But even before that, there were a lot of things that they had to navigate. Uh, what would be the top three things that you would say to pastors who are either dealing with some, some real anxiety, maybe to the point where they're just ready to give up, yeah. or they're dealing with anger? Um, what would, what would be the top three things that they should probably do today? So I'll go in reverse there. The first thing is I, until I talk about in the book, you, you must consult your anger. It's like, it's like your own personal consultant because what anger does is it reveals areas of your life where you've been looking for security, connection, or control apart from God's love. As soon as you find yourself getting angry, it's because you feel a threat to your security, connection, or control, and only God's love can give you the fulfillment of that your perfect church, your perfect marriage, your perfect spouse, your perfect kids, your great job, the people you know, who you know, what you know, will never bring that fulfillment. And we know that as pastors, but man, it's such a subtle thing that seeps in. So 
consult that anger and say, what, what is this anger telling me about what I haven't surrendered to God? Then go a step further back and say, what is my anxiety showing about what I haven't surrendered to God, my security, my connection? Am I afraid when I stand up and preach the, the word to people that people are going to give me backlash? Am I afraid when I make the no mask rule that people are going to give me, are you living out of the fear of what people are going to say? Because if that's where you're living out of, you're going to become a King Saul and it's not going to go well. Uh, that got him in big trouble, King Saul did. Um, so you've got to go back to with that with the anxiety, and that's what I think the book is really helpful in in labeling it because most of the time our anxiety and anger all come from the same source, and a lot of it has to do with our personalities, some of it has to do with our upbringing. So there's the security, the connection, the control, and when you start to recognize where you're sensitive and where you're prone to to lean on your own understanding and how to get it rather than to lean into God, mine is control. I, whenever I feel myself getting uptight or angry, it's always because something's threatening my control and I've been trying to take it back. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, by the sheer force of my personality, I'm going to figure out how to control this thing. And it never goes well. It always leads to anxiety, which ultimately leads to anger. So that's the thing I always have to surrender to God. God, I'm not in control here. I'm in control of my mindset, and my actions here, but I'm in, I'm in control of the ultimate outcome. And you have to surrender that to the Lord. It always comes back to surrender. Surrender, surrender. I love what A.W. Tozier says. He says, the essence of surrender is getting out of God's way so that he can do through you, to, through in you what he wants to do through you. So you just got to get out of God's way and surrender all that stuff that you need, security, connection, and control, but realize that it's found in God and that anxiety you're feeling is only going to be driven out by God's perfect love. Um, anxiety is a strong emotion. And we, we're emotional beings that make rational decisions to back up the emotional decision we've already made. And the only thing that drives out that strong emotion of fear and fear is oftentimes irrational. And the only way you're going to drive it out is by something stronger and only God's love is the most powerful force in the universe. It drives out that fear so that we can walk in perfect love with those around us. And that, that perfect love looks different. And Jesus knows what your people need and you've got to be the one who's listening for specifically what the people you're shepherding and your family need. That's what so, I would encourage you to do. So, so one is consult the anger. Yeah. Go back and consult the anger. What, what would you say after that once they've done that? Consult the anger and then face your fear. Yeah, face the fear. And fear has so many faces. I show, talk about in the book, fear sometimes shows up as checking out, just wanting to binge watch Netflix. Um, for a lot of pastors I've been seeing lately, it, it's coming, it's, it, fear shows up as, again, trying to kind of numb, the, numb it with alcohol or drugs or um, even prescription drugs. Um, but face your fear. Fear often shows up as an indecision. See that a lot of times too. It, it, there's so many uncertainties right now. So many things you just can't make a decision on. I wrote an article recently about that and it got a lot of traction because people are trying to figure out what, what do I do here? And when you don't know the future, it's hard to make decisions. Uh, and it shows up oftentimes as indecision. What if I make the wrong choice? Um, fear also shows up it just has a lot of faces. So what, uh, what would be an example of that, of facing your fear? Uh, what would that look like for, for, for a particular pastor? Well, for, okay. So the first thing you have to do is name it. Uh, I talk about this really specifically in the book, you know, fear thrives in darkness and it also thrives in not really having a name to it. So there's kind of this nameless thing that sits under the surface in us and we don't know what it is. Like, what is it? I'm with that pastor. We figured out the, the thing he really was afraid of that was driving everything is what if I upset the powers that be and they fire me? And that was his thing. So you've got to, you got to dig down and figure name the fear because it 
fear thrives in darkness and the problem with it is it gets bigger in darkness. And so what you have to do is you have to name it. And the crazy thing is oftentimes just the thing, the, the action of naming it saying, I am afraid I'm going to get fired. I am afraid of the backlash I'm going to get from people on social media. I am afraid of getting coronavirus, whatever it is. All of a sudden, sometimes when you name it, it just loses its power right there because fear thrives in darkness. And when it's exposed to light, you go, oh, okay. So name it. But then here's the thing you have to do. Fear does not go away. Fear will not just go away on its own. It has to be attacked. And fear is like, um, what you have to do is you have to move toward the thing you fear in small steps. You have to expose yourself for, in counseling. We call it in vivo desensitization. You have to just move towards the thing you fear and you take a small step forward, which is what faith is, right? You move thing toward the thing you, that you're not certain about. And then God sustains you and you go, oh, I didn't die. And then you take another step and you're like, oh, I didn't die again. And all of a sudden, the fear may still be there, but it loses its grip on you. Fear, fear has some health. There is a healthy fear, right? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But unhealthy fear is one that keeps you from moving forward into what God has for you. So when you face your, facing fear starts with identifying what is it? Name the thing you're afraid of. And it may be multiple things. And then you've got to pray, seek guidance and wisdom, but then move towards it. It's like an inoculation. You know, when I went to the Amazon and I had to get an, a yellow fever shot, it scared the heck out of me. They actually had to put yellow fever in my body. And my body took it in small doses. And then it built immunity to it. And then for six months, because of that, my body had fought off yellow fever. It was strong. And, you know, life doesn't get easier. We have to get stronger. And the beautiful thing is God made us to get stronger. He made us to get stronger by walking in faith and building our confidence. Fear and faith aren't opposites. Fear is, fear is just faith in your worry. Faith is confidence that, that neither life nor death nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth or any other created thing is able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. That's what faith is about. It's saying, I trust more in that love than I do anything that could come down the pike that I'm scared of. That's good. And I think that's such a great analogy of moving towards your fear, because I think a lot of times when we hear face your fear, it means we've got to do a backflip out of the boat. And I would imagine Peter, even, even as he sees Jesus and Jesus calls him out on the water, I would imagine that Peter didn't just ju jump off the boat. And, and I, I'm sure that he put a foot out there to test. Yeah. And, and, oh, yeah. and slowly got out of the boat. It wasn't a, it wasn't a sprint. And, uh, and I think that that can give us a lot of comfort of just because you're facing your fear doesn't mean you have to just jump right into the water. You just move towards it and, and build up. You know, it's like when you get into a cold pool. You know, the slower you get in there, the, the more your body will get used to it. Um, and you don't always just have to go and jump, jump, dive in. Uh, yeah, I think yeah, I've, I've never seen the Lord ask for giant leaps of faith. He's always prepared you for the next step with, with your little faithful actions in the meantime. He's gracious that way. Yeah. That's, that's really great. Well, Joel, thank you so much for your time. And I would encourage anybody that's listening to check out this book, Love Slows Down, uh, to dive deep into this, because whether we admit it or not, I, I think for pastors, we deal with a lot of insecurity. We deal with a lot of anxiety that we internalize, that 
and we deal with a lot of anger and whether it's at our staff or our congregation or families or even at ourselves. Uh, and, and we're, we're, we're seeing this, I think, multiplied on social media, uh, with everything that's happening in our world. And so this is such a timely book for pastors, for leaders in general. And, uh, and so if you've got a, a group of elders, maybe, maybe this is something that you guys can walk through together and, and do a book study together and talk about some of these things that I, I feel like a pastor, a lot of pastors deal with by themselves and it's just not healthy and it's not good for them. So Joel, thanks so much. Um, how can people connect with you online? And, and really quickly, because I think it's such a cool ministry. Tell me a little bit about summit leaders and, uh, and, how folks could get involved with that as well. Yeah. So you can reach me at joelmalm.com, J-O-E-L-M-A-L-M.com. Um, and there's also, I've got some U, U version devotionals about this that you might find interesting if you want to dip your toe, it's back of dipping your toe in. There's some ones about facing your fear, dealing with your anger. Those have seen a great response on U version. So you can check those out the Bible app, but joelmalm.com. Summit Leaders is my organization. And uh, I went and got a master's degree in counseling. And, and after I got the degree and did all my internship, I realized, I don't actually like counseling. <laughs> I don't like clinical counseling. So what I started to do is I realized I, what I do like is I like the change of perspective that comes when you go out in the outdoors. In fact, my friend Mark Batterson, he's been on several trips with me and he said, he nailed it this way. He said, change of pace plus change of place equals change of perspective. And I was like, that's it. I'm stealing that, Mark. That's exactly what happens on our trips. It's just getting out, changing up the dynamic of your life, getting in a new environment. And all of a sudden, God opens up your eyes to things that you've usually been right in front of you, but you just got so stuck where you were. So that's what we do with our outdoor ventures. We go climb Kilimanjaro, hike the Inca Trail to Machu Picchu, raft Grand Canyon, things like that. And uh, it's, great. Out, it's outdoor leadership training. Yeah, so that that's, that sounds like something, you know, for leaders or pastors uh, would be a great opportunity. You know, if, if, if a church wants to gift a pastor something, uh, that could be a great experience for a pastor. Oh, yeah. Just, just up his leadership game, deal with a lot of the things that he feels like might be holding him back. Uh, so you can uh, find more about that at summitleaders.com. Yes, and, uh, so, and we'll put a link to that in the show notes. We'll also put a link uh, to connect with Joel online and as well as a link to purchase his book, which I think is, is something that's just very timely for leaders. So Joel, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for what you're doing with leaders and with pastors and uh, just helping us deal with a lot of the things that we just don't like to deal with sometimes. Thank you. Thanks for having me on the show. 